0: Welcome to the Niche Podcast, about the one thing I know something about, game shows. I suppose I'm your host, Jordan Haas. Hey, it has been officially Game Show Day. June 1st was Game Show Day, and we are still doing these weird quasi-podcasts every so often. Uh, of course, I've been busy in real life. You already know the steel, so I, I just have a few minutes here on a Friday to record some more stuff and um uh, hopefully it'll be out this week um it has been a roller coaster ride Uh, a lot of people have been giving stories about how they were a game show contestant or worked on a game show or what game shows meant to them and over on jordanhaas.com which is probably where you're hearing this uh i have a little listicle of five one season game shows that i have enjoyed Uh, As everyone knows, when I do game shows, I suppose I love to not talk about just the classic game shows, but just those ones that kind of were just like a little ill forgotten, but had some nice little clever mechanic to it. That being said, none of the shows today, I think, really match that description. But hey, that is just the name of the game because we are still doing GSN originals. This first uh, game we are talking about is one that I actually kind of was okay with until you realize it's just a glorified staring eye contest. This is How Much Is Enough. This next game show, I'm actually just going to say this right off the bat, is one of my f- favorite game shows of 2008. It is essentially a game show that when everyone kind of comes up with a question of like, what's a game show that you hate, that everybody loves, and then you say something like Match Game... Everyone gets in disgust. But when something comes around, what's a game that you love that everybody hates? That's this show. How much is enough? I understand why it's a bad game show that nobody likes. The most thing is there's no play along. You can't play along with this game show. Additionally, there is really nothing for you to play along with. You can't scream. There is no pick a chance. There is none of that. So you really, it's a very boring show unless you're a contestant to watch so it's it's obviously why people don't like the show it's a very boring watching paint dry kind of show that's really a luck-based game show and Corbin Bernstein as the host really did nothing to um make it fun or fascinating because Obviously, he has nothing to work with when it comes to this show. There's no trivia. There's no game of skill involved. It really is just pushing a button at the right time, and that's it. But that being said, though, my favorite part's always at the end, the final face-off when it comes to the show. But more on that later. The game show is How Much Is Enough, and it came out in January 2008. It's It's produced by BBC... Because it was originally pitched as a British game show. Yeah. Imagine this being in British television. Uh, So it's a unique game show. They were trying to go for their own take of a deal or no deal. I wouldn't say a luck-based game show, but an easy-to-understand money game show. And the idea is that you're, you're not supposed to be greedy, it's a put your hands in the cookie jar kind of thing. This would be the kind of show that would have ended up in like probably a one-off episode of uh, of uh, Game Changer on Dropout. Uh, so in this show, is fun. Uh, you get to play with four players. There are four players in this show. And none of them know anything about each other. And all of them get a signaling device while standing by a podium that should have their money. The game is quite simple. You want the money clock goes up. A few dollars a second, like 100 bucks a second almost. We'll just say that makes it faster. And if you think it's enough money, hit the button. The clock stops on you. And that's it. Whoever has put the button last, i.e., stopped at the most money, doesn't get anything. So it's a game of chicken, but with cash. So someone stops at three hundred dollars. Someone stops at four hundred dollars. Someone stops at six hundred dollars, and then someone stops at eight hundred dollars. The eight hundred dollar person doesn't get anything. The six hundred gets six hundred. Three and two get their money. You get it? Easy peasy. Then in round two, it's $2,000. But this time the clock goes down. So it starts at $2,000 and ticks away. In 8, 8, 8, 9, 9, dollars zero. Once the four people have locked in, Oh, let's just walk by. So and so hit two thousand and locked in at sixteen hundred. So and so locked in at fifteen hundred. Oh, that means the 1500s guaranteed. Is sixteen too greedy? Let's find out. So and so put eleven hundred. That's banked up. Now, is this person gets sixteen hundred or more, then they don't get the money and you do. Let's see. Oh, they stopped at fifteen ninety-four. Well, they're getting fifteen ninety-four. You were the greediest player. Then they do it again. The same fucking thing. Round three, three thousand dollars now. And then money goes up. Hooray! And we play the game again, like a big catch-up. Then round four. Is four thousand dollars the money clock starts at four thousand and goes ticky, ticky, ticky away until there is zero. But of course, the clock stops when everyone has locked in, so it and it's a little bit later, so it's not to so keep everything a surprise. This continues until the fifth round, where there's a twist element to the game when it comes time to the final five thousand. It's not so much being greedy gets you no money, but also playing it the most cautious also means you get no money. So it's first and last rules. I love first and last. If you are too ch- a chicken, you don't get money. If you're too greedy, you don't get money. So only the middling players will get the last of the $5,000 things, which could make or break their, their totals to get to the final round. Only the top two players advance to the finale. And that's where the game becomes actually interesting, kind of, as a format. So, in the final round, the two players each bring in their cash amounts. Like someone brought in 6,000, someone brought in 9,000. So, the grand total is 15,000, something, something, something. So, then they play the final face off. Their hands are on their buzzers and they're staring at each other face to face. And kind of like the uh, bong game, but not, there's one final cash clock and it keeps going up. And it ticks up and ticks up and ticks up. $1,000, $1,500, $2,000. The first person to hit the button wins the game and takes home whatever money they are. But of course, this is the last game. Don't you want to win as much as possible? How much is enough for you to hit the button? So it keeps going 3,000, 3,500, 4,000. Stop! And then Corbin stops the clock hey you know you guys you 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 for a four thousand dollars and one of you can win this game. I just want to know how much is and I just want to just play it along okay restart the clock keep going $6,000. eventually when it gets to around ten thousand dollars is usually when someone's about to hit the button because it's around nine thousand they hit the button ten thousand they hit the button or if the show's actually good, 11,000, 12,000, 13,000 and the show actually becomes kind of like, "Oh, they're still going on with this. This is actually a an interesting game." And then eventually, oh, 17,000, bang, and they win 17,000 something something dollars. And I think, "Oh, that's an interesting end." This set is boring. It just has a green backdrop, a giant screen And, like, the dog-eat-dog podiums that are just silver and, like, a TV and, like, one of those computer monitors that just shows the player's name and the money. Everything is the fake uh, LED font that you see in stuff. And they have dramatic lighting and dramatic music at all times, like it's deal or no deal. But you're only playing for, like, $3,000, let's just say. So it doesn't really make it uh, a real dramatic game show. However, I would say it is one of the most interesting, unique game shows. However, the show being such a weird, uh, non-trivia-based game show that actually had a unique premise, um, didn't really get enough viewership obviously, because there's not a lot of play-along. Every episode looks alike. So, the show got cancelled after one season. What's the takeaway with How Much Is Enough? Can this show actually exist? I, I'm i going to answer a couple of those questions, and that's it. I think How Much Is Enough is an interesting game show premise, but I think that only works as a... Um, as a unique bonus round concept, or as a unique kind of way to fi- find, make a final. If you have a prize cash, like how much is enough would work better if the idea was a uh, like a state of panic, like leave with the least, or leave last, you are out. Like that, and then you shrink it down. That makes for a more dramatic elimination style premise which will make the show more interesting in that regard. But there's nothing to do. And it's a of panic. You're seeing people try and grab money and oh, no snakes and spiders with how much is enough. They're just their hands are behind their back and they're hitting a button. That's it. Um, <clears throat> with something like uh, with something like this, you would it's better as like a as a format for a new kind of game show. Like if you are doing a competition series that's a what like a, a boxed in game show where there they are strangers that play as a team to build a bank of money and that money changes with each challenge. And like, oh, we have uh, four teams of two strangers, and team one got eliminated, now we have three. Then three are out, now we have two. Oh, sorry, you didn't get the most money. Team one, you have won the show and has won $42,100. However, only one of you will get that money. It's time to enter the ball, bo- and then play the, how much is enough face-to-face face-off, because then that actually adds a little level of drama to the game, which would be interesting. Additionally, something with the how much you want to take with you, I think that kind of works as like a starting round, but that's it. Uh, To just have the show be how much do you want and not. I, I think there's quicker ways to do that. The thing that did it the best is first and last. I talked about that just a little bit earlier. First and last was a skill based, luck based game show based on not being the most or the least in any round. And it was things like uh, having the heav- like, um, not having the heaviest onion, but things like um, getting out of a box. You don't want to be the first to get out of the box, but you also want to be the last out of the box, but you can't see where anyone else is. And in the final round, everybody gets to write a check, quote-unquote, on a TV screen where whoever put the most money doesn't win, whoever put the least amount of money doesn't win. Only the middling player takes the cash home. That's the only part that's like a how much is enough final round, but it only stretches out to seven minutes and is the grand finale of first and last. That's kind of what you can only do with a how much is enough. How much is enough was basically Lee took that in game and stretched it out for 30 minutes, which is okay, but as... People have kind of learned the hard way. There's really nothing to do here. You can't really play along. You can't pretend to be a player. You can only sort of go, well, I'll stop at $2,000. Oh, I wouldn't have won this time. That's all you can get. Uh, so, in conclusion, how much is enough would work if one. it acts as like a challenge in another one game show, a new kind of game show? I think to reboot it as the way it was wouldn't really work. You would have to add some new twist to the game or make it so there is something to do with who gets the right to play how much is enough, and and you move on from there. Like maybe you have um, two players, like you, like you play kind of like Switch. Here you go, this is, because I like to think out loud sometimes with these games. If you were to reboot how much is enough, you would, I here's what I would be doing instead, because I like that whole competition show aspect. You would just do the final face-off challenge as the show. So you would have a team of like four contestants, and then you would have like a trivia question. It's an easy question for the right to enter the, the booth. And the first two to get a question right gets to the booth. Now, if you get the question wrong, you don't get to go into the booth and you can't answer any more questions leaving the remaining two players to answer. So then you get your two. All right, well the this true this uh how much is enough money clock's worth? $1000. Start the money clock. Whoever rings in first adds that money to their bank. Remember, it's crucial cuz after uh, the see, these seven questions Whoever has the least amount, uh, two with the least amount of money don't win anything. And then you play the final money clock challenge thing. Like if you try to do a right to earn into a final round, that would work. Or something where they play a speed round game to build up a money clock. Oh, well, after this quick fire round, you got seven right. That's $7,000 in the money box. Now, who's going to play it? It's the players with the most questions right that round that is this and this now enter the question things like that. That's another way you could have handled how much is enough. But then you make it a trivia show and you make it kind of like switch. But to me, I, I think that that's how you would have to redo the show. You would have to make it so the money acts as a score. But to get to that point bank, you have to do something else to get to the bank. And then you have that only one can win challenge at the end. Because I think that's the best rewarding part of the show. And I think if you can make it so it's like. uh, Like whoever gets actually that would work. Now that I think about it, you can actually kind of write the show that way where it is like after five or like like four or five questions, like enough that everyone could kind of have a chance to win money and then if there's like a zero obviously they don't advance but if there's a tie it gets a little weirder I, I think that could work as long as you make like the head-to-head challenge thing a little faster you make it more about trivia or something then it works i think that's how you would make the show you have to make it faster pace and have some other action going by but as a standalone show, you're just watching a clock go up and watching paint dry in the process. But there's something there with that head-to-head hit-the-button challenge, and that's what I like about it. You know, the one thing I for actually forgot to point out when I recorded that episode a few weeks ago is that uh, How Much is Enough is actually the very first game show I ever applied for. Um, because I just turned 18 at the time, and GSN has a habit of just kind of casting anybody for their game shows. Of course, as you might have guessed, I've, I wasn't a contestant, never got picked up. Uh, and then I kind of got an audition for Catch-21, and nothing happened with that either. So, that's, that happens. It happens. Anyway, next up is a celebrity-based trivia game uh, that is full of magic, shall we say uh precursor to a lot of the games of future this is starface gsn the network for games that's the era we were in by the way when we're talking about this show that weird like whispery gsn the network for games and then it's like that weird the network for games. that 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 era so pin yourself into that the mid 2000s Game Show Network was still stuck in trying to figure out what it was. Is it reality competition shows? Is it game shows? Around this time, we will be starting to hear the famous term shiny floor game. I hate that term, but there was a fantastic game show at the time that kind of fell by the wayside. It's a one-and-done game show famously called Starface. Starface was originally pitched as fame game because it's all about Hollywood and celebrities. But because of its uh, essentially association with the National Enquirer, Starface would slowly transfer from a we're in Hollywood celebrity game show into one that the branding became more Hollywood gossip tabloid. Which is kind of interesting, because tabloids were still all the rage in the 2000s. Celebrities are dating who? Celebrities! They're just like us, living in Calabasas. Anyway, um, there are three contestants, and they're shown photos of celebrities. Uh, Each celebrity then has a set of questions. The first question on each photo was identifying the celebrity, with each question thereafter being a follow-up about said celebrity. Uh, either their private life or whatever is their work. One set of questions was dubbed the National Enquirer Hot Corner, where the featured celebrity was someone who is very sexy. <laughs> Another set of questions was dubbed Celebrity Trainwreck, where the featured celebrity was someone who had been in recent life trouble. Players who buzzed in and answered questions got um, points. The first correct an- with each correct answer being worth 50 points in the round. Then we go into round two. Round two is exactly like round one, except you guessed it. The values are doubled. Correct answers are worth 100 points, and they are had following segments. I'm going to read this. This is from the wiki page, so I have not heard of any of these games. Below the beltway, pictures of a politician past or present were revealed starting at their waist and zooming out on the body one bit at a time. C-cups, pictures of female celebrities were revealed starting at their breasts and zooming out from the body a little bit at a time. This was uh, the 2000s. This was still the horny guy era. Yearbook, pictures of celebrities were revealed starting at the youth and going through maturity one photo at a time. For each segment, a clue was given for each stage of the reveal, after which the players could buzz in and guess who that person was. Anyone who guessed incorrectly was locked out for the rest of the reveal, but if all three players were able to answer the follow-up questions. Other ones that were revealed but never shown. 15 Minutes of Fame, a segment that was rarely used, featured a person who only became famous because they were related to a celebrity. Mugshot, a segment that almost featured at the end of the round every episode, featured a celebrity mugshot who had been arrested at least once before. Round three, each player put on the mask of the same celebrity. All questions asked in this round were about that celebrity, and each time a player buzzed in, they had to phrase their answer in first-person form. Each correct answer in this round was double that, 200 points. The player with the highest score at the end of this round won the game and advanced to the bonus round in the case of a tie. One more question was asked whoever buzzed in with the correct answer won, but if they're wrong by default, the other player wins got all that. That's the game. Simple, easy peasy leading to the bonus round. The winning player was shown two pl- two photos of two different celebrities and read a series of statements 60 seconds were on the clock and you had to guess which picture pertained to the statement you know i was once dating heather locklear i was in a sitcom in the 90s one of those if the player made 10 correct guesses before the six seconds they win a vacation otherwise they get hundred dollars for each correct guess that's right they don't win prize money. They win a vacation. Just like shop to you drop. Also, it's the 10 and 60. Everyone's favorite default game show format. Now, I I think when I originally saw the pitch, I'm not sure this is the right one, but I believe Pat Finn was hosting the pilot. But in the case of Starface, they got Danny Bonaducci to host the show. Danny Bonaducci was a child actor from the Partridge family, famous because as a child actor he spiraled out of control and was in the tabloids all this time. So because he's a con- quote-unquote controversial figure because of he drank drunk a lot and because of his drinking had issues, and those issues got photos, and those photos end up in tabloid magazines, he became the perfect host for a show like this. I think Danny well, Bonaduce gets a bad rap. I think he's still one of the—he's uh, still a, probably a nice person, um, but ends up getting stuck with this. So, Starface is a nice celebrity game show, but the one thing I need to point out here is the set. So, while we are talking about photos and showing, it is still at a time before LED screens were all the rage and could easily viewpoint everything. So you end up with that really bad, dimly lit projection screens in the backdrop that looked like a hollywood skyline which is always beautiful but to make things a little worse the podiums i'm going to actually say this you know when like game shows have a podium for the contestants sometimes they look okay sometimes they don't i know a lot of people give bad grief to uh Funny, you should ask, because their podium is just like a really bad computer screen that shows 100 bucks in like an impact font. And this is like the 2010s. But Starface should really take the cake for the ugliest podiums in game shows, because we are talking a blue backdrop. And we're talking about the aerial font for points, 50, 100, 200 points. So it's like 350 points. And then the text for the contestants' names in Comic Sans. They get a Comic Sans font on a blue backdrop with a point. Like a weird bullshit, kind of Jeopardy, not Jeopardy, handwritten name with points. It's so fucking ugly. And when the whole premise of Starface is supposed to be this like tabloid journalism thing... I kind of were expecting more of that bold printing that looks like, you know, someone's head head headshot. So instead of like National Enquirer, it would say Jason or Alex or France or something like that. No. You get Comic Sans. And you get the classic ding, ah, buzzer. It's a simplified game show of a who is a celebrity and then follow through. This would end up later... Uh, showing a lot of this, what we would see in Starface would later show up in a game show called Who the Fuck Is That? Uh, a one and off, like two week special from TMZ on the Fox owned and operated specials to try and make a syndicated game show attempt, which kind of even borrowed the same finale of the Here's a Celebrity, Two Facts Associated with them. Um. So, essentially, TMZ has overtaken National Enquirer in celebrity gossip. And can the Starface show up again? Absolutely. Celebrities are always a popular thing, in, and it keeps going. They never really etch into the drama aspects of tabloid journalism when it comes to this, which was much to my surprise. Now, they do talk about like people, celebrities getting arrested, breaking up spiraling out of control they keep going into that kind of thing but it's the stuff that would be as a hint to something else so it's mostly about their work not necessarily hey it's the celebrity that once uh crashed a car like it's something different which i'm actually more appreciative of um and while it's like the subject is a celebrity it's more played for laughs which is actually a good thing but it still is a very cheap set, and while Danny Bajer is a perfect kind of fit for a game show like this, it still never really feels sanitary. And I don't know if it's because of the tabloid stank that goes around all of this, but when it comes to like a pop culture based game show, Hollywood Showdown already existed. And then later down the line you would see People Puzzler with People magazine which is more squeaky clean than National Enquirer. So in conclusion Starface isn't not that bad of a show not really fondly remembered but not really enjoyed because it only lasted like three months they only had like a certain amount of episodes before falling down the line it's another one and done series and there is no real positive takeaway here other than sometimes game shows need to have something more included to it it can't always be on the cover all right so before we continue on with the game show network updates uh because it was national game show day i have a quick news report uh family feud and uh drew carey's the price is right is now available as a fast channel uh so if you really want to see richard dawson ray combs or drew carey uh classic game shows are back i i spent a couple of days watching them uh, the dawson combs ones i love them but I, I mean like i've watched so much game show network Back in the day that I'm kind of so desensitized to so many of those episodes. And as for Drew Carey, it's early Drew. And what I like about The Price is Right is you can kind of see how he kind of goes from sort of this I have to be the improv comedy guy to if you see modern day Price is Right. Drew Carey is like an ideal host for the show. Funny, casual, inviting I would say the more he has hosted the prices Right, the better he's gotten at it, but also the more his personality has shined on it. So it's fun to look back at those older episodes and if anything, see that purple wheel again. Anyway, game number three is one that I (laughs) forgot completely about when I had to come up with the list of every GS and original because it's that forgettable. But for some people, it is one of their favorites. This is Camouflage. Going back into Game Show Network Originals, you know, there's a lot of game shows that did come out. Um, And one that I really wanted to talk about, but again, there just isn't that much to uh, talk about, was a game show called Camouflage on GSN. Now, there was a game show already called Camouflage. That was more like a hidden picture kind of show where you had to circle and color things in that kind of became what Finders Keepers would eventually become. But basically, camouflage is uh, now you see it, but instead of now you see it, it's big puzzle of words. And then you would drop letters. So uh, essentially, the game is played with three rounds, single, double and final. As each puzzle is played, decoy letters are removed one at a time, making the answer easier to discern but reducing the value by 10 points, for each decoy answer that is removed. The process stops once there's no more decoy letters, or when the value of the puzzle reaches 10 points, whatever comes first. The contestant may buzz in any time during the puzzle to give an answer. If they are correct, the answer is revealed, and they get the points. But if they are incorrect, there is no penalty for a wrong answer, but whoever is incorrect may not make any more guesses for the puzzle. It's played in three rounds, identical in each round, but the difficulty of the puzzles increase. Each puzzle in the first round starts at 100, with each answer costing one word. Second round is worth 200, and then drops with a minimum of two words for the correct answer, and then in addition, the first two letters that drop from each puzzle do not affect its value. They're considered free letters. In the third round, Puzzles have a minimum of three words start at 300 points. Also, the first five letters drop without decreasing its value. At the end of the third round, the contestant with the highest score moves on to the end game. If there's a tie, there's a tiebreaker puzzle using the round one format. And all correct answers to all puzzles read from left to right. One puzzle in each round is the double camouflage. The first part of the puzzle is identical to the others. However, whoever buzzes incorrectly can double the point value by solving a secondary puzzle which was camouflaged inside the other puzzle. The contestant has 10 seconds to solve the puzzle without the benefit of removing letters. To counter the disadvantage, contestants may guess as much as they wish without penalty and the secondary clues are generally more straightforward in the main game. If the contestant solves a secondary puzzle, they are credited with double the value of the puzzle. So if they got 70 points, they get 140. But if they're incorrect, the contestant still gets the 70. The final round is Final Camouflage. This is the bonus game. Contestant gets a certain amount of help based on his or her performance in the speed round. They get 45 seconds to solve as many puzzles as they can. Decoy letters automatically drop from the puzzles one at a time, but of course they drop with time constraints. As in a double camouflage puzzle, a contestant may make as many guesses as they wish, because it's a speed round. But when time expires, the final camouflage puzzle is then revealed to the contestant. For each puzzle solved in this speed round, a decoy letter is dropped from the final puzzle. Kinda like Lingo! The contestant then has 15 seconds to solve this final puzzle, giving as many guesses as they wish. If a contestant correctly solves the final puzzle, they get $5,000. However, if they fail, they get $250 for each puzzle that they solve during the speed round. It's a nice, smaller thing, and I thought it was very cute. Camouflage was hosted by Blind Date's own Roger Lodge. That did you like that? It's also executive produced by Terrence McConnell, uh, who's known for uh being one of the people behind uh Battlestar Galactica, Kid Video, Mass Crusader*, fighting all the time, all the crime, a uh, Good Morning Miss Blitz, which would eventually become Saved by the Bell. Uh, of course, goof troop, X Men wrote all sorts of things, including the "You Don't Know Jack" game show with Troy Stevens, uh, and then later "One Versus 100. So it becomes a game show writer. Camouflage was a clever writing game uh, from Enjoy the Ride Productions. Uh, what I I, I I it lasted only a, like a month or so. It it didn't really. Uh, survive that long. It only had forty episodes, a one and done season, and my dates. Roger Log was an okay host. Here's why I didn't like camouflage sometimes, because and this is just me. It's real bullshit. If the answer was it's the meow and the word is cat and not cats, but there was an S shown in the puzzle so you can't count the plural cats you have to just say cat i thought that was bullshit and that happened so many times that it became just like a regular occurrence that i went wow this show sucks additionally this set was very dull again to bring back what happened with a lot of game show network shows at this time They were trying to, don't know if they wanted to be colorful or not, LED technology really wasn't there. They were trying to go for cubism as like a concept of a set, so it was greens, it was oranges, it was reds, but instead of looking like a modern day Dave and Busters with like the bright LED lights that you would see in someone's uh, Twitch stream, it looked like uh, dull cubes and they had the classic uh, film gels. And it just didn't look real pretty. It looked like clearly a light shining onto a square. And you would see a big circle. They didn't really get the technology. Additionally, the game board was still that attempt to do an LED board. But they didn't have the tech yet. So you get the projector screen that you would see in movies. So it had a very faded effect on screen. It looked very boring when shown to a camera again a good chunk of game shows are essentially a game board that you would see on a computer screen or a tv screen just really blown up so while camouflage was probably very fun to see in play testing very easy to understand because they drop letters like in modern day now you see it the point structure kind of reminiscent of that people puzzler today and the scoring system being 100s, 200s, 300s, making this probably the first Game Show Network game to have the round three bullshit catch-up round, uh, it makes for an interesting show. It did have 40 episodes, but that's not to say that you can't watch them. A lot of these camouflage episodes are pretty easy to find. However, I think camouflage just sort of didn't work, not because of the writing of the clues, but because of once again the pluralization rule in effect the deductions double camouflages that even though there were these aha moments it, it just sort of just fizzled away additionally this was a game show that had the GSN minimum being 5000 when this was 2007, and eventually a lot of shows would end up making the Game Show Network original being 10000 Game show minimum is now $10,000 on a lot of these game shows, but still this was $5,000. Additionally, you're still looking at a show where only one person really wins money, and oh, you well, you didn't win, but you got three rights, so here's seven fifty. dollars It's not really exciting television in that regard. Uh, It's something Game Network has still not really completed yet and still haven't figured out. Um, I think camouflage was a clever concept of a show, a clever word game, but it just never really had the light of day, not because of Roger Lodge's hosting, which I thought was really good, but because of a very boring set, uh, a game where you would look at the screen which had the, the play-along early gsn things basically what i'm trying to get at for this whole c- camouflage like part of the episode is this was the very first default gsn original show this was the show with the single double triple bullshit catch-up round and the easy money but also a big money if you can get this big thing but a little impossible to win concept To me, that was what Camouflage was all about, being the GSN original before GSN originals were really uh, their defaulted behavior. Uh, Additionally, it was barely any play along, even though the screen was there and you could easily play along. What I liked about the show was you could definitely watch the screen and play along at home, which is also standard for modern GSN originals but it's still pluralizations knocks you out or the clue within the clue knocks you out because the clues aren't really shown on screen. You don't really have the mute and play along factor as would be modern day GS and things. So if they ever brought back camouflage, the quickest thing you could do is put the clues on the screen while you show it. Also you would have a much brighter set because the technology has improved. Um, but also, I don't like point values and all this weird. It's too complicated because, oh, you're playing for 60 and then 50. and It's just, nah, not for me. But if it was for you, I understand. It could obviously have been a lot better. Um, but, hey, that's what happens. Uh, I did play, at one point, the uh, Play at Home game on gameshownetwork.com. And all I remember was the pluralization rule fucked me over on that game as well uh so so that that's it camouflage it's a show i guess all right so a quick question uh you know we've talked about game shows here and and it's it's a silly question do mr beast videos count as a game show technically speaking their challenge videos on YouTube, so yeah. However, he rarely replicates, and a lot of the contests that he does have already kind of become game shows in and of itself. Uh, the Touch the Truck Challenge has been on television since, like, the 60s and 70s. Uh, additionally, you've also seen them on radio since as early as the 40s. Uh, additionally, uh, a lot of Mr. Beast's content is kind of what would be true for consequences or little prank things as well. Uh, But his channel itself isn't about the games and challenges that he gives people, gives away cars and money, because sometimes he does, like, these adventurous things, like, we bought the most expensive thing. In some ways, he's flaunting money. In other ways, he's using money for content. And you got to respect that sometimes, especially in terms of YouTube, which is notoriously cheap. So essentially, even though you can always have your kind of opinions on Mr. Beast, he is really throwing shitloads of money at some of these YouTube videos to amass millions and millions in a way that game shows can't really do these days. So, in some form, Mr. Beast is sort of a reviving a few old-school game shows and money giveaways. Uh, that being said, it's not—he's not a game show host. He's not a—it's not a game show channel. So, it's not really one for me to talk about from time to time. Although he does, like, squid games in real life and all that, and those are always, like, modern-day challenge videos and reality show competitions. But, eh, Sometimes, like, the giveaway of Tesla, you're just like, oh, okay. But that's just the name of the game. Anyway, uh, now imagine we're behind a black-and-white screen, and Bob Gowen is back to give clues. This is That's the Question. This next game show is... I will say one of my favorite Guilty Pleasure Game Show Network shows uh, because I don't think a lot of people remember this show. It came around the time when a lot of people who were in that game show fandom kind of thing sort of dropped off, and the tape trading all started on YouTube. But GSN really wanted to try new game shows, and as was the case to so many... You would see what's a popular game show in another country and try and um, make it here. In the case of uh, Lingo, that's exactly what happened. With Lingo, the first season was filmed in the Netherlands. And then every season thereafter was filmed here. So they did the same kind of replication with another word-based game. And that was, That's the Question That's the question is essentially only last about two seasons. The first season was filmed entirely in the Netherlands. The casting was all people who uh, speak English and live in the Netherlands. So a lot of the questions were a little bit more um, generalized, shall we say, compared to season two when they filmed it here in Los Angeles. So the show, I think, is one of my favorite favorites because it's essentially a hangman style game, a randomizer style game, something that's a bit like definition but without the bad puns. And and this is the biggest thing I would say, it was hosted by Bob Goen. Uh essentially, I always will keep saying this, I think Bob Gowen got the worst end of a of a stick when it came to game shows. Bob Gowen is a classic game show host who ended up not really getting that many style shows. He hosted Wheel of Fortune for a while. He hosted Blackout in the 80s. He was the primary guy on GSN Live and Game Show Network Play TV. He's essentially an everyday game show host who never really got his big break. So Chuck Woolery getting lingo, I mean, he had a few shows. Bob Goen, the other Wheel of Fortune host, he gets this word-based show. And it's actually very, very simple to understand. There's a basically like a Wheel of Fortune phrase with a question mark at the end. And at the bottom is the answer. And just like press your luck or just like uh, I guess Wheel of Fortune, but not really. What would happen is that there's a two team game. It's a two player game. It's a head to head challenge. And essentially in the first round, uh, you're given the answer ahead of time. So like, cabbage. And then there is this question with so many little blanks that spell out a question. And with a randomizer, it goes, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop. And then you slap the buzzer. And when you slap the buzzer, wherever it lands on, is determined by the amount of letters in the puzzle so obviously a who what when where why will be the first letter in the puzzle and that's the w and everything thereafter accordingly so like an a a b a c a d so there's 26 different letters obviously they don't have any ones that aren't in the puzzle so theoretically every round as we'll say it is roughly about just like in a regular hangman puzzle about 15 to 16 actual letters so, about 15 to 16 actual questions. When the randomizer lands on a letter, uh, that is the value of the question. The question is so, if there is like six A's in the puzzle, it's worth six points. If it is uh, an R, uh, there will be seven points. They don't know if it's an R or an A or whatever, you can get a good hunch. But if you get the question correct, then you put the letter in the puzzle and you keep playing. Here's what makes the game very interesting is it's a word scramble kind of thing. So they take the, they give you the question, they give you all the letters that spell an answer, but the missing extra letter that goes in the puzzle is the one that's not included. So it's a bit of like a word scramble while dropping a letter, which I thought was always a very fun, easy play-along situation. But the questions are very quick. So there's not a lot of time to think it over when it comes to a word scramble to play. And a lot of times what you would see is contestants stumble because they hear a question, and instead of just hearing a question and coming up with the answer, they hear the question, look at the word scramble, get confused, and then they take too much time and they're wrong. If they are incorrect, the opponents can steal the points and get control of the board. Uh, Which makes it very, I guess, interesting because it's a back-and-forth deal. Now, what is the important part here is that, yes, you get points for every letter that's in the puzzle, but you get a bonus if you solve the puzzle, just like in Wheel of Fortune. So at any point during the game, in round one or whatever... You can say, "Bob, I like to solve the I like to answer the question," and then you can actually just read it out like, "If the answer again was cabbage, what is the main ingredient in coleslaw?" You did it! Yeah, cabbage. And forgetting the question, you hear this sound effect that goes, "That's the question," and you get five points in round one. And I thought it's very cute. And, they answer, and then they do two questions, typically, in round one, because that's enough time. Then it goes into round two, which is a big catch-up kind of round. And as you know, in round two, everyone say it with me, the values are doubled! Everyone loves that game show trope. So in round two, the values are now double, so it's two points per letter on the board, 10 points for solving it, but to make things just a little bit harder, you're not given the answer now. So to get double the points, which is the 10, you not only have to find the question, but find the answer. So then it becomes, what kind of animal was Jerry in Tom and Jerry? mouse yay and that's the game uh and it's a very cutesy trivia game that has certain levels in its trivia certain levels in the puzzle solving obviously like wheel of fortune it's not wise to uh solve early because there's still plenty of games and you want to score as much points as possible why is that well because of the final round so whoever got the most points at the end of round two wins the game and gets five hundred dollars with a chance to win five thousand it's the game show network bullshit final round again only you know instead of a thousand ten thousand which is our new game show network normal this is five hundred and five thousand dollars which was more appropriate the lingo era of game show network at the time But still, $5,000 to get this, basically, they have to play a final round. And then in the final round, they basically have to solve one final question and answer. To do that, just like in the front game, randomizers slap the button. They get a question. If they're right, the letter lights up and they go on to the next one and try and solve as many as they can in the time provided. If they are wrong, they are stuck on that letter until they get a correct answer. Don't tell anybody, but the questions in that final round are all pretty much the same, but they just include the final letter. So really, there's nothing different. So in the speed round, they have to get as many questions as they write in the time provided which makes her a very interesting final round. It's not a get 10 in 60 seconds situation. It is essentially a cross between a, it's a two part finale, like lingo, the bonus lingo sprint, and then the draw the balls. In the case of that's the question, it is ring in, answer a question, get a letter, ring in, get a question, get an answer, keep going as quickly as you can. The amount of time you get is the amount of points you scored in the front game. So if you ended up winning with 96 points, you get 96 seconds to answer as much as you can. If you got 62, it's a minute, two seconds. If it's 103, 103 seconds. So the times were always different. And I always thought that was a great crevice to an game. Because I always love that they add a little bit of extra time for you in the game. That's classic concentration. That's whoosh, And it always added a bit more variety. So, of course, the more time you have, the more letters you can add to the puzzle, which might make it more easier for you to win the $5,000. And that final round, when the time runs out and you run out of questions, you have 10 seconds to give the question and the answer if you can you win five thousand dollars. If not, you just get the five hundred. And I think that's very, very cute. And that's it. That's the show. I thought it's a very unique one. Obviously, you can modernize it by making it a thousand, ten thousand. You don't really need me to explain that. But what I found always the most exciting part about Ask the question was season one had this had the original Netherlands set in this really I hate to say cheap but cheap looking screen. With like aerial font and the letters and all this. And a really cool like traverse light kit. And then when it comes to America. It gets this whole different futuristic industrialized set. That has like the piping and has the tubing. And it's so unique. In season one. The big hook that I kind of liked about the show was they had Bob going. Start the show and end the show by basically looking at the camera and just like being doing a quick monologue like, hey, if you love this, this is the show for you. That's the question. And then ends the show with the same way like, hey, we gave away this and I hope you enjoy it again. That's the question. Away from the contestants, away from everybody. And then in season two, they did black and white dramatic versions of this that I thought was really silly um but i i love that kind of they try to do something different for that's the question and it still feels like a classic game show in the point structure and the money i think like if you wanted to go even more into like a game show ass game show you could have done it so if you solve a question you win a prize not money but like a prize like hey here's a roomba vacuum or here is a trip to palm springs and then you would have like a cash jackpot at the end um i don't i don't mind the fact it was $5000 i think nowadays obviously it needs to be a bit more money even if it's just 10000 uh but it, it's a very simple game show very easy to understand and i th- think when we look at like a lot of the gsn originals in this like 2000s era a lot of them didn't really figure out the big hook is games that you can play along with by looking at the screen on mute. Now, Chain Reaction would end up having this solved later on. But uh, that's the question would be the prime example of a game that you could play along with that is a staple of a Game Show Network original and was just so much fun. And it had a great host with Bob going. So... Personally, I think it's one of the better game shows to have come out of Game Show Network, even though it had weird sets, weird graphics, weird visuals, and very low payouts. Because most of the time they don't win, and well, if you won five hundred dollars, so it's just sort of like, oh, oh, okay. But that's it. That's 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 the question, and that's the question. I think it's still very fun. And that's the end of today's episode. Yes, I know, we barely talk about these game shows, and there were four of them. But again, I have to remind you, these are we're now talking about, in this sort of era of game shows, I suppose, not a lot of shows I fondly love enough to talk about for 30, 40, 50, even an hour at a time. And because these are necessary to get the full... Uh, Game Show Network original experience, I figure it's good to have all these in little chunks and just go through them willy-nilly. They're kind of like mini-reviews, mini-analyticals things, but ultimately what I learned is they kind of have a purpose. When you have an an original show in addition to the repeats, it brings a bit of variety to a show that doesn't necessarily exist. Now, additionally, what I like about these originals is it kind of puts in, in place the kind of set that we are in. Uh, with the case of these episodes today, uh, How Much Is Enough uh, came from the luck-based game shows of the day. Uh, Starface come from the love of Hollywood gossip, especially during the Paris Hilton era of celebrity gossip. Camouflage uh, came from the lines of word-based trivia shows and the idea for on- online gaming. In addition to Dad's The Question, which is, again, one of those we try to do a new lingo, Uh, and try to find that new series now next time we'll be talking about four more game shows hopefully one of them will be good and we'll see you again next time for another great game show i suppose this is jordan haas signing off big smooch